Let's get straight into the Word of God tonight. Why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 24. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 24. And as you're turning there with me, please don't forget to continue to pray for our senior minister. He's out there ministering in Brazil at the moment. All the great learnings that he gets, all the time that he has with God, he gets to bring that back and impart into us and be a blessing to us. So please pray for all the work and all the time that he's spending out there in Brazil. Colin, if you're watching online, we wish you all the very best and may God continue to empower you and use you as he is doing out there. My Romans 8, chapter 22 through to 24. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons of redemption of our body. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? There's an old story of a man called Socrates. You'll know of the name well. A young man came to him one day and he said, Socrates, will you teach me what it is to the secret of success? And Socrates said, tomorrow morning, my boy, Words to that effect, come and meet me at this point by the river and I'll show you the key to success. The young man eagerly that next morning, bright and early, came to Socrates and said, I'm ready. He says, follow me. And he walks him to a river and he says, keep walking. And it wasn't until the young man was up to his neck in water alongside Socrates that he took him by surprise and grabbed him and dunked him under the water and he held him there. And he held him there. And he held him there. And the young man, young boy, was screaming and flapping, as you can imagine, gasping for breath inside the depth of his being. Until finally, at the last stroke of the moment, Socrates thought, that's enough. And he lifted him up. And he took a massive gasp for air. And he said to the young man, what was it that you desired most? That you were under that water and he said I badly badly just desired air to breathe and Socrates said that is the secret to your desires David said a deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you It's a picture of longing, it's a picture of desire that's so hard to explain, so hard to express, but something that lives in each and every one of us that we desire so much just to be released, just to appease it, just to understand it. Just like a small fire cannot give much heat, a weak desire cannot produce great fruits. You see here at the core scripture, it's speaking of the whole of creation groaning. It speaks of creation desiring something so deep. And we too, as God's creation groan in the depth of our being, 
for this unity with our Creator. We feel this groaning deep inside our hearts, a desire. There's something there. There's something out there. There's something I can't quite grasp. In the original Latin, desire means something in the stars that we can't quite grasp. Desire is also always something we just can't quite reach, but we know it's out there, and we desire, and we long for it. The tension is between here, the already and the not quite yet. The already and the not quite yet. You see, the already has taken place. Jesus sending his son and in us being redeemed as we gave our lives to him. But it's not quite yet because we've not quite yet entered into our full glory and inheritance. The not quite yet is groaning in the depths of our being. But we have a foretaste. We have the first fruits of what has already taken place in our hearts. And we desire that unison and unity of what will come and what will take place. We can already enjoy many of its privileges of that foretaste of the first fruits as what has taken place. But we desire and long for its full completion. There's a groaning in the depth of our being. The Holy Spirit to us is a pledge that he will see through this completion. For as long as we abide in the Spirit and the Spirit abides in us, he will draw us and he will bring us to the place of that great and complete work and how our souls pant and long for that day. He's drawing us into our deepest desire. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has set eternity in our hearts. It's that at your core that you feel bubbling up inside you. There's a a deep-seated tension in us. There's a a groaning and there's there's a sense of restlessness. The desires to be drawn into this end state reality. Desires to know what the real purpose of this life is all about. There's a yearning, a frustration that we're not able quite to appease. But we reach in our hearts and we long for it. Our yearning and our desire is for those things of eternity. But so often we are missing out on it. And our groanings and our groanings deepen and deepen. And it's not able to relinquish. You see, John 1.38, there's John the Baptist with some of his disciples. And he sees Jesus walking across and they say, look, look, there's that Jesus. And instantaneously they just began to follow him. And then Jesus is just minding his own business and walking along and he sees this group of people following him. And he turns to them and he says, what are you looking for? Jesus knew what they were looking for. They were looking for what he carried. They were looking for the kingdom of the living God that lived inside him. That he was about to bring the reality of the first fruits of. That they could then become in unity to and begin the great journey of life. He knew what they were looking for. Let me ask you a question tonight. What are you looking for? What are you really looking for? 
When you lay down at night and you're asleep and you look up to the stars, what is it you're really looking for? And let me ask you, whereabouts are you looking for it? You see, our hearts long for God. They long for eternity, for the life of the Spirit in us to be completely released. That's the groaning that you feel. That's the longing that you feel. That's the desire that you feel. It's this burning up of the Spirit inside you. A a taste of heaven inside you just, just needs to be released. And God longs, God longs to be reunited with you too. You've got you desiring God, looking heavenward and craving for him. And then God is looking down and he sent his spirit and he's trying to draw you into that reality. He's trying to take that desire and draw it toward him. But our desires get misdirected and they begin to get taken here, there and everywhere, but not the place where it really needs to be. He's drawing you like a magnet. That's the pull that you feel. He's groaning relentlessly for us, and we groan relentlessly for him. The great Augustine said, Our desire for God mobilizes our fundamental restlessness as creatures. Our desire for God mobilizes our fundamental restlessness as creatures. You see, our desire puts legs on our restlessness toward its restlessness toward the place that can appease this restlessness that we feel in each and every one of us. That deep groan. I was in a cafe one day and I made myself accountable to a pastor of my old church. And I sat down with him and he asked me this question and it still burns in my mind today. He just looked me in the eyes and he said, Chris, what is stopping you achieving your desires? What is stopping you achieving your desires? I never really thought of that before, and I scratched my head and pondered for a moment and looked in the air and sky, and I said, I suppose it would boil down to myself. To myself. It's said that sooner or later the servant of God discovers that he himself is the greatest frustration to his own work. There's groanings inside your heart tonight that are gripping you, that are grating inside you. There's a restlessness, there's a relentless pursuit of something, there's a longing that feels more like a loss, there's no liberty, only a boundary or a barrier that seems to be in your way of really expressing what really burns inside of you to be released, there's no sense of real purpose, there's a loss, you feel empty, you feel confused and you say, I've looked everywhere to appease this desire and burn inside me. I even know that I've gone to look for it in the wrong places. I know that. But this burning desire is so strong in me, I can only but desire it and go and reach for it, even if it is for a a temporal appeasing. I'm a believer, you may say, here tonight. I don't have those issues, but I don't believe that. I believe that even as Bible-believing Christians who worship God, who love God, who serve God, who are here week in, week out, who faithfully attend cell, are really sat there and going, do you know what? I love God. I love the Word. I worship Him with all of my heart. But still, 
Something longs inside of me. I cannot find that peace. I cannot find that rest. Only a sense of loss. The more I try to appease these groans, the further I seem to get lost by it. You feel a bounding in you. You feel burned out. You feel hurt and you feel lost. You feel confused. But I've got a message for you tonight, Kenson Temple. This desire to fill that infinite abyss inside of you, God wants to fill and God wants to bring you revelation of what it is you're truly desiring and a means to how to attain it. I found myself in a position in life that no soldier likes to find himself in. I was a young man growing in the things of God, and I tell you, I was yearning for the living God. I had become to taste and see of the heavenly realities. I had seen him move. I felt this groaning deep, deep, deep down inside of me. I was growing. I was still young. But I desired for the word to completely consume me, and so I could live wholeheartedly for him. But still, I felt some barriers and some blockades that were hindering this release and the life of the Spirit. There I was. I found myself in the heart of an enemy attack. Bullets were fizzing past my ears and dancing around my feet. 50 caliber machine gun whizzing around me, which sound like bait bean tins fizzing past your ears and dancing around your floor feet. I had enough explosives on my back to blow up I don't know what. One bullet in that backpack of mine carrying those explosives would have obliterated me in a second to the speed those bullets were fizzing past my ears would be the speed to which I would be like vapour. As I ran, as I ran, as I ran away from the enemy fire, just going into my drills, I thank the military for what they invested in me in my training for years and years because I didn't even think about it. It was second nature. I was just running into my brake contact drills. But I saw a hole. It was about this deep, but I thought, that's enough for me. I leapt into it. I managed to get some rounds down on the enemy position. But in the midst of those bullets still fizzing past my ears, I cried out to God. And I said, Lord, what is it you're doing to me? This is too close. Now, I've been shot at before, and I've had some bullets come close, but this was too close. This was not fun. But in the midst of that, it was as if God was just suspended above me, just looking down on me at complete peace, at complete rest. And I remember in a split moment thinking, it's all right for you, God. You're up there, and I'm down here, and this isn't fun. The bullets kept coming, and I was trying out to God. But in that suspense, in the chaos of everything going on, and me trying to get out of there and get away, it's as if God just came down and said, My son, hold on. I can't describe it anything other than this. It's hard to describe in words. But it's as if God had a loving baseball bat, a loving spiritual baseball bat, and he pinned me down and said, I love you, my son. Just hold yourself right there. And there was a whack to the core of my being. 
and I felt something shatter. I felt something break. You see, I was a young man, I was a soldier. We are trained to depend all on ourselves in our great training. No amount of training would help me here. The bullets were too far. I was pinned down and I was locked down. I was prideful in many regards. I had self-effort, I had great ambitions. God was still doing a work in me. But this breaking took place. Suddenly an RAF tornado came flying down to give me a little bit of cover, to give me some breathing space. He saw the trouble that I was in and it gave me just that split second to get away and get back into cover. God, thank you for the British RAF. Glory to God. We got home back to camp after a dirty, dusty day on the battlefield. I remember just crashing out on my bed. It was something like out of a Vietnam movie. The fan was just tapping away. I was just feeling its breeze, hungry, exhausted, tired, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And as if God would come to minister to me. I was angry with him for what he put me through that day. I'll be honest with you today. It shook me up. It shook me up. My life flashed before my eyes. But in that moment of just reflecting on God, as I came accustomed to what he had taken me through, I began to feel something trickling out of me, just beginning to come alive around me. And I took a deep breath. And I started to feel light. I got up and I just began to walk and it was as if I was walking on air. I felt amazing. Hard to describe to you, but I felt like a king. My environment had not changed in any way, shape or form. I was still in a dirty, nasty battlefield of death and destruction. My environment hadn't changed, but something inside me had changed. I began to feel such a presence and a lightness about me. And I said, God, if I could stay like this, in this presence, in this feeling, for the rest of my life, I would be the richest man ever to have walked on this earth. I was in sweaty, dusty, dirty, ragged clothes, fresh from the battlefield. But I felt like a king. I felt alive. Something special had happened to me in that moment. And I've ever since desired for it with all of my heart every single day. You see, I felt a great liberty. I felt a tremendous release. I felt alive. I felt a new kingdom and a new life had been deposited in me. Floods of grace, peace and new desire, a new focus of what I should really focus on began to come alive to me. The other things that I cared for began to subside. Ah, the glory. This is in me and I desire it to be released in ever greater measures. It gradually subsided but still today I long for it. I've had flashes of it but nothing to that sort of measure. I experienced a great release. 
I would later come to grow and learn as I meditated and I prayed and I asked other people further down the journey with me of that experience. And I would come to see some sort of biblical pattern and understanding to what took place that day on that battlefield that would change my life. In the Bible, it describes us as having an inner man and having an outer man. In Romans 7, 22, it says, I delight in the law of God according to my inner man. In Ephesians 3, 16, it says that you would grant to me according to your riches of glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in my innermost being. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, We do not lose heart, though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inner man, let me tell you tonight, KT, is the real you. Your inner man is the spirit, is your spirit, where the living God and his spirit by the Holy Spirit resides and lives in you. It's where God draws from you. It's what you feel a pull towards. Though you may not understand it, but it's like a magnet that's drawing you to something out there, something far out there. I tell you, that drawing is eternity. It's heaven. It's the kingdom of the living God. It's where you find your purpose. It's your source of true life. It is where you find your truest, truest desire. Now, on the contrary to your inner man, the Bible speaks of your outer man. And that outer man can never please God when it's not anchored to him and renewed by his truth. It cannot please God when it's not full of the spirit of God. Because deep calls unto deep. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Spirit speaks to spirit. The outer man, which is your soul, cannot speak to God. It's your spirit that yearns. It's your spirit that draws you to it. Now, that outer man is your soul. It consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, your will, your mind, and your emotions, when they're aside of God, when they're not in unison or aligned to your spirit, where God ministers to you and brings you to life and gives you the revelation of who you really are and what your real purpose is, it begins to take on a world of its own. And as your emotions and as your intellect and as your will on its own, it begins to trump the will of God. It begins to override God. It begins to rise up and it begins to puff up and it begins to suppress the truth. And those emotions and that intellect and that will, a side of God, begins to get hard. It begins to get tough. And that is what begins to build a barrier between you and the living God. It's that barrier that prevents him from coming down and reaching into your heart and drawing into your innermost desires from your innermost being. It's the barriers we put up that prevent the real life of the spirit to flow out of you and into eternity and the things he has for your life here, now and today. 
God wants to tear these barriers down. Because our spirits become imprisoned, they become confined and they just cannot be released. It's an infinite abyss that just can never be fed. It can never be quenched. There's a longing and there's a groaning and there's an emptiness that we feel when we live according to the outer man, aside of the inner man, the spirit of the living God that lives inside of you. The outer man cannot connect to the cares of God. They only connect to the cares of this temporal, earthly world. Our inner man craves for union with the Creator. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things above and not the earthly things. When we're living according to that outer man and our soulish, unrenewed mind and ways, we get drawn to affections that aren't of God. And we begin to build barriers and strongholds against him that are hindrance to our true desires. We begin to desire what is temporal and not what is eternal. We begin to sacrifice truly what we desire and want most for what we want now and in the moment. God allows us to be placed into position where he can break these boundaries, where he can tear down these strongholds, not to break you, but no, no, in turn to actually make you, to fulfill what's truly in your hearts. And often we're kicking back against God. He's putting us into places and situations that are meant there to break you, not hurt you, but we kick out of it. We harden our hearts. And he's saying, stay still, my son. Stay still, my daughter. I want to help you. I know the desires. I know what longs in your heart. Just let me do a work in you. You desire me, I tell you what, not half as much as I desire to be with you and in fellowship with you. In fact, I sent my only begotten son 2,000 years ago to die on that cross so that I could have union with you. He wants to have union with you tonight. Let me ask it. Let me ask you, but how much are you desiring it? How much are you truly desiring it? Let me also ask, where is God placing you? What situations is he allowing you to be in that are tough right now? Where are the bullets and bombs flying? Where is he pinning you down and just say, just Stay on the operating table for me, my son and daughter. Let the great physician do his work so that I can renew you into wholeness of life so you can run, leap, jump, worship and sing into glory for all eternity. John 12, 24 speaks about a grain of wheat. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it stands alone. But surely, if it should die, it shall bear much fruit. You know, we're like a seed. And the imagery is that that seed needs to be let go. It needs to fall into the ground in the right environment and under the right temperature. And the outer casing of the seed breaks. And the trueness of what that seed is and what it carries and what it lives for and is created for begins to come alive. It begins to bear much fruit. 
it has a great release. You see, the more we kick against God, the more we harden our shell and we get a seared conscience and we harden our hearts towards him. And he wants to tear those down. He wants to say, let go so that I can make you. Unless a seed fall to the ground and die, it stands alone. What are you holding on to? What are you hardening yourself up to without really letting yourself go? There's a story of the woman with the alabaster box in Luke 7, 36. And this woman is believed to be in a prostitute. She had an alabaster box. This alabaster box really contained all of her life and all of her life works and all of her life endeavours for the last two years. It was a nice box, but inside that box was the true life that needed to come out. We don't know the full story, but maybe Jesus met with her somewhere and Jesus appeased her and loved her like the woman at the well and forgave her of her sins and she felt this great liberty. She felt indebted to the Lord Jesus for who he was and the compassion and grace he showed towards her. Whatever the story, she came running into a time when Jesus was having a meal with some of the Pharisees of the day and she began to weep. Something was coming alive in her and she opened up this alabaster box and she was washing his feet with her hair. But a fragrance came out of that box and began to fill the room. You see, the real life of that woman was in the breaking of that box. That box was there for a purpose, to contain the life and the, of the perfume, the sweet perfume that was inside it, that would be broken for the service and to Christ. Let me ask you, what, what box are you investing all your time and effort in and forfeiting what that box is really, really for? Because for as long as we keep this box and protect this box and love this box, the whole time we're not attaining to what really does live in that box and what that box is for. I don't know what you're investing into that box. Maybe it's a, another contract that you think, when I sign that, then I'll have my true desires. Or maybe it's money. Maybe it's another job, a different career, maybe a new husband or a new wife. The box's main purpose is for what lives inside it, not the box in and of itself. And that box needs to be broken. That box represents the outer man. But the whole time we live according to the outer man, the inner man, the sweet perfume of our lives is trapped, is dormant and cannot come fully alive. The woman came to love God and appreciate God more than any box because she saw the great value and the life that was truly found in him and him alone. The greatest of all examples, which is the way to which we can break down these barriers. It's the means to which we have life and those desires burn up inside you. It's Isaiah 53 where it states that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. He said in that Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. I don't want the desires according to my outer man. I desire the true desires that are in my heart. 
which is to glorify you, living God, my Father, and bring liberty and life to all of mankind. He wants to appease of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And he went upon that cross, and he was crushed, he was beaten, he was bruised for our transgressions. By his stripes, we are healed. And it's by that tonight that we have liberty and we have life. Then, when that cross comes into act and begins to break down when we choose his will and not our own will, when we choose the inner man and not the outer man, life comes and we begin to feel that drawing of the living God again and that release of the spirit into him and into our greatest desires. He begins to fill that infinite abyss that lays dormant, that we so long and desire, even if we don't know it. These boundaries need to come down so he can fill us up. But this life in us also needs to come out. God comes in and he breaks down so he can be in unity with us. But not only that, the life of the Spirit that is bubbling up inside of you needs to flow like a river of living waters and needs to come out of us. As a young believer, I had come to read the Word of God. I had experienced Him and I desired Him so much. But I was all on my own and I was reading in the Bible out in the deserts of life, out in the jungles of life. I had a small Bible that my grandma had bought me when I was born. And I waterproofed this everywhere I went, through the rivers, through the deserts, jumping out the plains, jumping out the helicopters. This Bible stood in my backpack everywhere I go. And it was like a burning ray of light that I just dreamt and desired to just lay down with and open up the bread of life. Because the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life and they resonate with our spirit and they bring us to life. And it spoke in this Bible of something about a church that Christ came to bring. And I said to myself, I've got to find one of these churches. I felt the life of my spirit. I read the word of God that used to come alive to me. And I was almost trying to complete the triangle of finding a church that resonated with what was in my heart, what was in the word. Let's say I spent a good while looking. But finally I came to somewhere. And I walked in. And all these people were singing. And they were praising. They were jumping. The minister spoke of Jesus Christ, our living saviour, who came to take the sins of the world. And in him we can have eternal life. And I went, yes! That's it. That's what I've read. That's what I feel. Oh, I'm at home. This is the sweet perfume that I desire. This is what my heart longs for. But God was still working in my life. I was still very young, very vibrant, but lacked some education, should we say, in the Word. And as I walked into this place, I went along every Sunday. In fact, every opportunity I ever could. And I saw all these people worshipping. I saw all these people praising. They were lifting their hands in the air and they were jumping. And, you know, I was from a military background. I was still in the military at the time. And I thought, this is, lacks a little bit of order. 
what are all these people jumping around for? Surely we need to stand a little bit more up straight with our shoulders back and heads up and we'll stop flapping these arms around everywhere because I'm struggling to see what the minister's trying to say. And stop interrupting him with these amens and hallelujahs because I can't hear the word of God. I got frustrated. I started to get angry. And when the minister was talking, you know, people were being disruptive. And I just stood there almost to attention and I received the word of God. <sighs> Beautiful. But I started, and the more I went, the more I looked around at these people. And I'll be honest with you, something inside me was desiring what they were doing. I said, I want to raise my hands like that in worship because that's what my heart longs for. That guy bouncing around everywhere and leaping with joy, oh, that's what's in my heart. But I'm a statured soldier, professional man, I can't do such things. But week after week, I went and I went and I went, and these things was bubbling up inside me. The more I read the Word of God, the more I praised God, the more I prayed to God. This thing was becoming too big. I describe it to you today like a breeze block wedged in me, and this thing needed to come out. Ah, oh, it was ugh, inside me, heavy laden. And every time I saw the praising, every time I saw the worship, I was grieved and I was jealous and I thought I'd love to bounce up and down like that and worship Jesus. I'd love to amen and hallelujah every word the minister says because, oh boy, it resonates with my heart. And one day I was there worshipping God, caught away in worship, stood there to attention like I did, but singing all the same from the depth of my heart. But this thing was bubbling up inside me. It was stirring up inside me. And the more the worship sang, the more the worship praised, the more I looked on the words of the screen, the more it resonated with my heart. And I went, oh, this is burning up inside of me. I began to sing. I began to sing at the top of my voice. Even the worship team were looking down going, hey, come and grab a microphone. I was singing, I desired it. And as I looked to my left, there was a man stood to me. And every time I lifted up my voice, his word, voice was being lifted up. We were having a bit of a sing-off. Oh, but I loved it. Oh, but then I started to sweat and I began to violently shake. He began to look at me as if I was going into some sort of fit. I was. I was fitting for Jesus. And it burned and it burned and it burned. Oh, come on. And as I was singing, as I was praising, as I was shaking, this thing was coming alive to me. And still I forced my arms down. Still I wouldn't bounce and jump. But then it was all too much. It was all too much. This thing was rising up inside me. <laughs> and I said, Jesus! Ah! itself. Let this thing arise inside of me. And I burst with joy. My hands arose. My voice started to sing. And I jumped up and down for Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I was singing and I was praising and I was falling in love 
with the living, powerful God who rules all things, who has all things in the palm of his hand. Oh, that the life of Jesus come alive into us tonight. Kensington Temple, worship team, come on back. Kensington Temple, stand to your feet. Let's give him some praise tonight. Let's give him some glory tonight. I want to tell you, there's a desire that burns inside your heart. The living God is bringing you alive in ever greater, increasing measures. You want to sing. You want to dance. I know you do. I know what burns in your heart. And it can only be found in Christ Jesus. Let his cross, let the cross crush you because he desires to make you and he will fill that infinite abyss that lives inside of you. Glory to God. We have some keys, please. Just lift your heart to the Lord Jesus right now, Kenston Temple. Hallelujah. Just as I came on to minister tonight, one of the pastors came to me and said, Chris, I was praying before the service. I don't know if this means anything to you. But she believed that the Spirit would say to her, what has everybody come here for tonight? And then the voice said, I have what they come for. I have what they have come for. I believe that's a word from God tonight. I don't know what you came for tonight, but I've come to know, and I'm fully persuaded that the living God to which our hearts groan, to which all of creation groans for. He does. And he desires more to be in unity and unison with you and to walk with you all the days of your life than you desire it yourselves. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a God to which you can put all your eggs in one basket for. He's a God that you can put all your hope, all your trust, all your future in this and this alone. Because this isn't just a book. It's the word of the living God. It's spirit. 
and it is life. I believe what Jesus by the Holy Spirit has come to impart into you tonight. And what you were desiring and needing is a fresh stoking, a fresh stirring of that life that lives inside of you as a believer. Because you need that to rise up, to break out. Some of you here tonight, you spent a little bit too long in the outer man. Your emotions and your will and your intellect, not bad in and of themselves. They're gifted to you by God. But he doesn't want them to trump God. It's him that's elevated high. And he uses our will and emotions and intellect as a gifting to walk in that life of the Spirit and to work through you to good effect. They've built strongholds in your life. They've built boundaries in your life. You know it. You feel it. There's no release. There's no expression in you. But I believe Jesus wants to break that tonight in your life. Tonight is a defining moment for you. He's come to meet with you tonight. The worship team's going to lead us into song right now, and I want our first song to be a declaration of faith. That restlessness is going to be mobilized into action. We've spent too long sitting and listening. He desires us now to begin to rise up and to begin to walk. You walk and he will run. You run and he will sprint. You sprint and he will fly. You will never catch him for the blessings that he has in store for you. And as we're worshiping tonight, Whatever Jesus wants to impart, I'm going to ask and pray that I'll be a vessel tonight just to impart that into you by faith. But it requires your mobilization. It requires your step of faith. And when you step out to meet him, he will step to meet you. In fact, he's already calling you and is empowering you to make that step. Ah, Lord Jesus, light a fire down in my soul that I cannot contain, that I just cannot control. As the worship team leading song tonight, Kenston Temple, take this moment tonight and meet with Jesus and let him impart something into you. I don't know what that is, but he does. Let's lift up our hearts Let's fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus right now. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. 
temple. Let this be your decree tonight. for tonight that we had that word which was I'm here to give it if that's speaking to you tonight come forward out of your seats take that step of faith tonight and come down here and let's together pray by faith that whatever it is whatever those desires may be that that new stoking and that new stirring, that new fanning into flames of the fire that's inside you needs to be engulfed and needs to rise up to break out. A fresh desire to ask of God to come in and help you tear down those strongholds, to give you the strength in your inner being to rise up and tear down those affections and those desires that you know are contrary to the living God. Wherever you are, whatever your need is, come forward to the front right now. And I'm going to pray with you and we're going to pray for you as the worship team continue to lead us into song tonight.
Thank you. 
use no instruments. Heavenly Father, our heart longs for you. Do a work like you only know how. Tear down those strongholds, tear down those boundaries. And let the spirit of the living God rise up in our hearts and rise up in this nation once again. All for your glory and all for your son. In Jesus' name we together say, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Kensington Temple, we're going to close with the grace now as we do here. In the... Why don't you look to one another and speak this by faith over their lives. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. 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 You go out singing? If you're just passing by tonight and you're just visiting us, don't dash off. Come and introduce yourselves to one of the waving red hands, our welcome team. We'd love to chat with you a little bit more. But Kenson Temple, Keep the fire burning. Desire him above all else and let him lead you into the things of eternity. God bless you, Katie. Have a great evening.